Hello, everyone. It is January 7th, 2022, and this is our first MFDA webcast of the new year. Uh, start off, we got some news. Uh, hopefully, you saw the email that went out yesterday. Uh, the breaking news yesterday was that Southwest Airlines announced that for the time being, they will no longer be accepting uh, bodies to be shipped on their airplanes. They are, if you check the news this morning, you see they have a massive problem with cancellations of flights. And because of the cancellations of flights, apparently, and having to redirect people, they don't have room in their cargo holds for even the luggage that the passengers have, and they have staffing problems and so forth and so on. So Southwest Airlines uh, came out yesterday with a little blurb that says, uh, at least for the time being, they will not be accepting bodies for shipment on their airplanes. If you've already made reservations, it said, you've already paid, made the reservations, they're going to accept those, but they're not going to accept any new ones until further notice, and they apologize for any inconvenience. Well, that's nice of them. Um, but anyway, that is the, uh, the news. Also, uh, updating our uh, news from Monday, if you saw the uh, email Monday, and once again, we predicted it because the CDC has once again revised the revision to the revised guidelines as to what you're supposed to do to get COVID. And uh, it's very confusing. Matter of fact, if you can figure out exactly what the guidelines are, let me know. I'd like to get you a job at the uh, Centers for Disease Control because I don't think they're explaining it very well. But the uh, Reader's Digest version is basically if you get COVID, if you test positive, you're supposed to stay isolated for five days. At the end of the five days, if you're able to and have available uh, a COVID test, it would probably maybe sort of kind of be a good idea. Uh, yeah, you should probably take one. And if you're negative, you can go out into the world as long as you wear a mask for five days. If you're positive, you probably should let your doctor know. If you don't take the test, that's okay too, though. You can still go out in the world as long as you wear a mask for another five days. Anyway, that's where they're at with that. So uh, uh, good luck uh, figuring that out. Just hope everybody can stay uh, healthy and not get it in the first place. All right. Uh, other news. Again, we have had this question popping up here the last uh, couple of days uh, about our law class. Uh, we still have the law class scheduled on a regular basis the third Wednesday of every month. And when it's been necessary over the past few months, we've added an extra class. So we did have a couple people call up to say with this Omicron variant and how uh, many people are catching it, uh, are we still having the classes? Well, as of right now, the answer is yes. We still have the class scheduled. The one in January is full up. Sorry, you can't get into that one. Uh, but I don't know about February. You just have to call the office and check on that. Now, there is something we want to put out there. If you are coming to the office for the law class, Please don't come if you're sick. We do take precautions here. We sanitize everything before and after and even sometimes during the, uh, the law class. We have high quality HEPA air filters going on the whole time. Uh, if you'd like to wear a mask, you're more than welcome to. If you come here and you don't have a mask, we've got masks available for you. But if you're sick, if you've got a cough, if you've got a fever, if you've got a scratchy throat, if you have a headache, because that's one of the new symptoms of this current version of, of uh, COVID, please don't come. All right. Uh, I've been vaccinated uh, three times now. 
and I've had COVID once, so the statistics say I'm pretty safe. But nevertheless, we don't know who all else is in the building, the other classmates that you might have, what their status is, what their immune systems are like. So if you're not feeling good, please don't come. Just call us. Let us know you're not going to be able to make the law class because you have some symptoms you're worried about. And believe me, we will give, do everything we can to give you priority to the very next law class because we appreciate people who are trying to keep everybody else safe. All right. The next big uh, topic that's been going around uh, is death certificates because I've had a number of people call me up this week, ask me what's going on with death certificates, particularly what's going on with dropped paper death certificates. And I'm afraid I have to tell people, I don't know, you tell me. <laughs> I don't do death certificates. I do corrections to death certificates on a very regular basis for our funeral homes, but I don't do the actual death certificates. So I'm not quite sure. I can tell you what that memo in June said, I can tell you what they said at our meeting that we had with them. I can tell you what some people have said that they said when they've had conversations with them and not all of them always match up. So here's what, again, we're asking everyone to do. If you wind up with a situation where you have a doctor who is not on the electronic system or a doctor who may be on the electronic system, but is refusing to do the electronic system, what, however you handle that, Jot it down, write down detailed notes, specific. Mr. Smith died on January 5th. On January 6th, Dr. Binny Bim Boom uh, told me that he would not use the electronic death certificate. The afternoon of December 6th, I called Vital Records to tell them that I talked with so-and-so. I want names of who you talk with. So-and-so told me this and then tell me what happens. Now, if it turns out the very next day, Dr. Benny Boom Bomb has done the electronic death certificate because Vital Records called him up, great, I wanna know that. If nothing happens and you've waited two weeks and you still don't have the death certificate, I wanna know that too. Now, another thing you can try to do is try to drop the paper. I don't know if it's possible or not, but if you try to drop the paper, let me know if it works. Let me know if it doesn't work. Let me know if it's rejected. Let me know if it's accepted. But we do need specifics. The name of the deceased, the date the deceased died, everybody you talk to, the doctor, the nurse, the hospital, and most importantly, whoever you talk to at Vital Records. Compile all that up. Please email it to us at info, I-N-F-O, at mofuneral.org and put in the subject line, drop the paper death certificate or something like that, so that we know that that's what this is about and we'll compile all those. And once we get a good database of here's what's going on in the real world, if we have something that needs to be brought up, an issue or a complaint, we can then do it. So again, if you call me up and ask me what's going on death certificates, I'm gonna ask you, I don't know what's going on with death certificates uh, because I've heard about three or four different things and I need real world data from you. Last thing has to do with, uh, once again, to revisit the State Board of Embalmers and Funeral Directors. Again, that's not our board. That's the regulatory board. The legislature has started this week. This was their first weekend session. And this week, there was a meeting over at the Capitol where one senator, uh, who I don't think is happy with how the state board has done things, uh, there, there was an invite sent out and some funeral directors, I do think, appeared. I was not invited. Uh, and it's probably a good thing because I'm not sure they'd like what, everything I have to say. 
because, uh, well, I understand how people are upset about how the change in the state board happened. I understand that. But again, to revisit the old state board, the old state board had one open seat that the governor could put somebody on at any time they wanted to. And they had three people on the state board whose terms had expired, which meant that the governor could replace them at any time for any reason. And at a state board meeting, there was an open discussion about hiring outside attorney to sue the state of Missouri. And as we predicted way back when, the day after that happened, what do you think is going to happen? Well, those people were all fired. They were all put off the board. Now, that is not unusual at all. Now, some people are upset about that process. They're upset about that process. Well, I can. I was on the Missouri Community Service Commission. That's the commission that runs AmeriCorps programs. And we approved grants. And my term had expired on that board. And a grant proposal came up. We reviewed it. Uh, I believe I voted against it because I don't think I didn't think it was a good proposal. Turns out somebody in the governor's office liked that program. My term had expired. Guess what? I was off the board. Boom, it happened to me. It happened with the State Board of the Bombers and Funeral Directors a few years ago. The chairman of the, and this was uh, Governor Nixon, when Governor Nixon was a uh, governor, uh, the chairman of the State Board of the Bombers and Funeral Directors took a position at a state board meeting in Kansas City. You know, the state board has these meetings all throughout the state sometimes, uh, particularly before COVID, they did that more often. And I think they're going to start doing that again. But there was a meeting at a hotel in Kansas City. And there was a, they were in a conference room, a meeting room for the state board meeting. And at that state board meeting, the chairman of the State Board of the Bombers and Funeral Directors, who was on an expired term, their term had expired, but they were still on the board, serving at the pleasure of the governor. That uh, chairman of the state board took a position that apparently the governor didn't like. That was reported to the governor, apparently, right away, because after the state board meeting ended, he went to his hotel room to get changed for dinner. And by the time he got back to the hotel room, there was a message on his phone saying, thank you for your service. You are no longer on the state board. Bull. You know, that's pretty, you know. I don't even know if he got to eat dinner with everybody that night. I'm not sure. Uh, but so that this kind of thing happens. Uh, people who have had their terms expired, they can be replaced at any time for no reason at all or for any reason at all. And that's what happened. And if, again, when you talk about suing the, the, gov the, the government, the, uh, the, the state of Missouri, the governor's office, the people who the governor have appointed, if you talk about, if you decide to do that and your terms expired, that's what's going to happen. So some people don't like that. Some people don't. And but that's just how it is. There's nothing that can be done about that. Some people don't like how the people, the people that were put on the state board, some of the new people uh, that they are not qualified is one of the, uh, the claims that uh, come up because they don't meet the qualification that's in the statute. Well, the problem is the statute with that. The problem with that. Uh, now, I don't disagree with you about what the intent of the statute was, if you take this position. I, I mean, I think everybody will agree what the intent of the statute was. But the statute simply says that a person who's appointed to the State Board of Embalmers and Funeral Directors must have been in active practice of five years prior to uh, being appointed. The problem is the word active practice is never defined. What does that mean? And how does that five years actually work? 
So is it 20 hours a week enough or does it have to be 40 hours a week? What if you embalm one body every other month or once a year or do two funerals a month or once a month? It, it doesn't tell you. It doesn't tell you what active practice means. And that's a serious problem with the statute. Now, this has never come up before. So nobody's ever addressed the fact that the statute is weak on this, but it is. Now, you can guess what the what the uh, framers, the drafters of that statute meant, but they didn't put it in the statute, if that's what they meant. It just says that. So what if you've been, uh, you, you were a, a funeral director for three years and you took a year off and then for three more years? Well, you say, well, no, a year's too much. That interrupts it. Well, what about if you just took a month off or two months or six months? Again, um, the problem is the statute stinks and it needs to be changed if this is going to be a problem in the future, uh, particularly. So uh, making any kind of legal challenge to somebody's qualifications, frankly, uh, has very little chance of winning over in the courts uh, because what a court was, uh, I, I'll bet anybody, by the way, I'll bet you a free cup of coffee at the third floor of the rotunda because they have free coffee up there. I'll bet you a free cup of coffee that if this ever wound up in court, the court would say this is a political issue. It's a political issue and it's up to the Senate to decide who is qualified because the Senate will have confirmation hearings and the Senate can approve the governor's nominees or reject the governor's nominees. They don't need to have a reason. They can reject them because they don't like them. They can reject them because they don't think they're qualified or they can reject them because they just don't like the governor and they don't like what the governor's doing. Those are, doesn't, they don't need a reason to vote for or against them. All right. Now, there are some people that were upset about uh, what the new board members have done in the fact that they fired Lori Hayes, they, they got rid of some other people and that the, uh, the inspectors are now under the Central Investigation Unit. Well, not liking what they did is a very legitimate position to take. If you disagree with what they did, that's a that's understandable. But if you are successful, if anyone is successful in getting any of these nominees rejected, and that could happen, it could happen. But if you're successful in getting those nominees are rejected, or what is actually more likely to happen, because I remember I, I mentioned this in a previous video. What's more likely to happen is if the governor thinks that one of the nominees might not get approved by the Senate, usually that uh, nomination is withdrawn before the actual vote. So like I said before, when you see somebody's nomination withdrawn, that's because the governor or the staff or somebody thinks there might be a problem with getting the nomination through. But nevertheless, uh, whether it's through the nomination being withdrawn, whether it's the person declining to be nominated anymore, or whether it's an actual vote of the Senate that rejects that person, regardless of that happens, if that governor's nominee is not approved, what do you think's going to happen? The governor will appoint somebody else. And do you think that the person that the governor appoints is going to do something different than the one that just got rejected? No. The governor is going to appoint someone that will do exactly what the last person did. I'm sorry, that's how it works. If uh, it, now, now that person might be more qualified, I don't know. That new person might, uh, you might like that new person better. I don't know. But if you're worried about results, 
If you're worried about, okay, we want the governor to put new people on the board that will rehire Lori Hayes or rehire somebody else or something like that. Uh, sorry, that's very unlikely to happen because the governor will, uh, dollars to donuts, if he has to put a new nomination in, will put somebody in that's going to do the exact same thing that the old person did. That's just how it is. Sorry. So you can definitely not like how things have happened. And you can definitely not like about what those people did. The question is, what can or can you not do about it? You can go over there. And uh, as soon as we have absolute confirmation, I know there's a date floating around as when the confirmation hearing is, but we don't have that 100% confirmed yet. Uh, we'll let you know when the confirmation hearing is. And if you want to go over there and you want to testify in favor of any of these nominees, or if you want to testify against any of these nominees, that's wonderful. That is your right as a citizen. That is your right as a licensee to let the Senate know what you think about this. But don't think that whether you support the person or whether you oppose the person, that much will change. Another option, by the way, for the governor that could happen, and this happened under Governor Nixon, not just to the State Board of Bombers and Funeral Directors, but it happened to a whole lot of boards. The governor can not appoint anybody. And then the state board does not have a quorum. And then the state board can't do anything. That happened under Governor Nixon. For a long period of time, the State Board of Bombers and Funeral Directors did not have a quorum. And therefore, nothing happened. And there was a huge backlog of disciplinary actions uh, that happened that, that they had they had to deal with on a, on a mass basis once uh, they finally got a quorum again. So the power is with the governor. The governor can appoint people. The governor can withdraw those people. If those people are not confirmed by the Senate, the governor will appoint somebody else. And that person's going to serve if he does it in the right uh, procedural way. That person, if the governor appoints somebody new, will serve for almost an entire year without having being confirmed. Because anytime the governor appoints somebody, when the, when the legislature is not in session, they serve until the next legislative session. So the governor can appoint somebody that doesn't have to go through the Senate confirmation hearing and will do most likely whatever, uh, you know, the, with, uh, whatever the last person did more likely than not. So that is the reality of the situation. That is how politics, that's how the boards work in Jefferson City. Okay. And in one sense, it's not all bad that the boards are not completely independent because there are several court cases floating out there, including one from Virginia, that give great concern to people like me who look at these things because although the Virginia case uh, had very specific facts that don't apply to anything that uh, hits a state board necessarily, the commentary in that court case is very concerning because it talks about the danger that arises when you have people with a license on a board that gets to decide who else gets a license or who else has their license taken away because of anti-competitiveness, restraint of trade, all that kind of thing. And I trust oh, a whole bunch of stuff, depending on the, depending on what kind of group you're working at. Uh, so there's, there's commentary in several of these court cases that if 
a state board that was made up of licensed people who have the power to say yay or nay to somebody else's license or to discipline that license. If there is no checks or balances on that board, there is a distinct risk that that could wind up being ruled unconstitutional. And whether you like the board or not, the current board or not, whether you think things didn't happen good with the board or not, having a state board is still a good thing. Because if we did not have a state board of embalmers and funeral directors made up of licensed people, then it would be the bureaucrats who get to decide everything. It would be not a licensed funeral director, not a licensed embalmer. It would be some attorney or some bureaucrat or some person on a that's paid by the state of Missouri on a nine to five basis. They would decide what your punishment was. I don't know about you, but I like having licensed funeral directors and licensed embalmers, when there is a violation, they are the ones that determine what the proper punishment, if any, should be. I've disagreed with the state board over the last many years on many occasions. And we've had lots of different state boards. We've had state boards that did one thing. We had state boards that did another thing. Uh, sometimes I agree with them. A lot of times I disagree with them. But one thing I always have thought throughout all the years, regardless of how many different types of people have been on the state board, when it comes to the punishment phase for a funeral director and bomber or a funeral establishment, remember, if a complaint is made against a funeral home and it, it's not settled or something, it goes to the Administrative Hearing Commission. The Administrative Hearing Commission decides whether or not that person violated the rules. If the person did violate the rules or the funeral establishment violated rules, then it goes back to the state board for punishment. And every time, and you can read what those punishments are, they're, they're public. Every time that I've seen when somebody's, when the state board has actually voted on what the punishment was, I thought they've been very reasonable. I thought they've been very fair. Uh, I thought that they've, and this is, again, this is, these are people on the board that I've disagreed with. These are people on the board I, I've agreed with, all sorts of different types of people. But when it gets back down to the punishment phase, what are we going to do to somebody who's been found to violate the rules? I've always thought that they were very open-minded, reasonable. And if we lose that, if we lose that licensed people determine the punishment for other licensed people, I'm very concerned about that winding up in a on a bureaucrat's desk that uh, has never embalmed a body, that has never run a funeral home, that has never met with a family, and they're deciding what the punishment should be. So uh, I don't want us to lose the state board, even if you might disagree with what they're doing, even if you don't like some of the people who have been appointed, even if you think that things should have been done differently. We don't want to lose the structure that we have of the state board. That's my opinion. Uh, my personal opinion, because uh, I've dealt with many other boards over the years, and there are some professions where you don't you don't have what funeral directors have, where you do have a bureaucrat that decides your fate. And I can tell you that very rarely does that turn out good. So, again, um, when we have absolute confirmation as to when the hearing date is for the confirmation hearing for the State Board of Embalmers and Funeral Directors nominees, we will put that out there so that you can make your own decision, whether you want to come to Jefferson City and testify for that person, whether you want to come to Jefferson City and testify against that person. 
And again, that's your right as a citizen, that's your right as a licensee. And we do always appreciate it when people uh, do exercise their rights, because if you don't exercise your rights, eventually they unfortunately seem to wither away. So that's what we have here for you today. A little bit of a news upcase. It is still cold here in Jefferson City. Uh, I hear it's gonna maybe get warmer over the weekend. I hope it gets warmer for you. So wherever you are, have a wonderful first uh, weekend after the new year anyway, uh, wherever you are at. Stay warm if it's cold and as always, stay safe.